friends. Welcome to Grace and Growth. I'm your host, Bailing Gad, and I'm so excited that you're joining me for the first episode of season one. And this season, I will be interviewing different Enneagram types and asking them how they've used the Enneagram to grow. I think the Enneagram is such a great tool for personal growth. I think it really gives us language for behaviors that we do and can really help us realize the motivation behind those behaviors. I know the more I learn about my Enneagram type, the more I grow in self-compassion for myself, and it's really helped me to also work through the unhealthy parts of my type. The Enneagram is by no means meant to be something we use to label people or point out the flaws in people, but it's really meant to be something that we use to help one another grow. With all that being said, I am so excited for the conversation y'all are about to hear. In this episode, I am interviewing Enneagram One Sarah Browning. Sarah is so wise and so intentional, and you can really tell that she put a lot of thought into every word that you are about to hear her say. I feel like I learned a lot about the Enneagram One through her, and I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the first episode um, on the Enneagram series. I am here with Enneagram One, Sarah Browning, and I am so excited to hear from her and learn all about the one. Um, so, Sarah, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Okay, yeah, I'm Sarah. I am a senior, or I guess I'm about to not be a senior at UGA. Um, I'm 22, almost 23, and I was an applied biotechnology major at UGA but I'm about to start optometry school at the University of Alabama at Birmingham in the fall, hopefully, pending all of this stuff in soon. Um, but yeah, I haven't been doing much but schoolwork in quarantine, so that's been fun, finishing out my senior year. But yeah. Very cool. I know you're a one, but I'm always curious to know how do people know, like how did you know you were an Enneagram one? What was it ab- about the the one that most resonated with you. And I know you said like you thought you were a two for for a while. So like, how did you make that distinction? Yeah, so every time I took the test, uh, which I've known about the Enneagram for about a year. So I took it about a year ago and I took it multiple times and I got two every time. And um, I, I agreed with it, but that's probably the prideful side of me wanting to be like an advocate and help people. And I didn't really want to dwell on like the tendencies of a one. I didn't really look that highly on our tendencies. Um, But for Christmas, I asked for the, I think it's the Road Back to You book, um, which I wish I had with me because it has a lot of good stuff in it. But I read through the um, chapters and um, my, my fiance did also with me. And he's like, there's no way you're a two. There's so many one tendencies that you have so often and then he also when he bought that I guess it came with this little book um it's called the essential enneagram and when I read through it gives you paragraphs at the beginning and I read through my paragraph and I have a few little snippets that I was like okay yeah that's definitely me it says I have high internal standards for correctness and I expect myself to live up to those standards it's easy for me to see what's wrong with things as they are and to see how they could be improved um, I can come across as a really critical or demanding perfection, but it's hard for me to ignore or accept things that they're, that are not done the right way. And then it says, I sometimes have feelings of a re- resentment when people don't try to do things properly or when people act irresponsibly or unfairly, although I try not to show that to them openly, um, which was like, he's my fiance text is like, that's definitely you. <laughs> Cause when my resentment comes out, it comes out to the people I'm closest to and it, 
definitely comes out to him. But the whole high internal standards thing is like, that's definitely what stuck out to me. And with that, ones have a prominent inner critic. And that is something I didn't know that not everyone has. I thought that was something that everybody dealt with and that's not true. And that's crazy to me because that's like something that's constantly going on in my head, which is so weird. But yeah, I don't know if I completely answered your question. No, you did. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you mentioned all of that because that kind of leads into the next question. Um, I, I love how the Enneagram gives like us language for tendencies we do and behaviors that we do. Um, so I wanted to know, like knowing all of that and having language for things that you do, how, how have you used the Enneagram to grow personally and also spiritually? Yeah. Um, personally, the tendency to move towards resentment when um, rather than like, for me, I move towards resentment instead of like voicing my anger, voicing my opinions. I definitely hold that in, which isn't super healthy when it comes to relationships with family or friends or boyfriends, fiancés, whatever. Um, so that's been a big thing for me personally is that I have to learn to not hold in my resentment because it's not healthy. And then as far as like um, having the high standards thing, I know that's a positive thing for me to experience. Um, it's good for me to have high standards. That's not a bad thing at all, but I've had to learn that my high standards and my ability to live up to those doesn't define me. Um, like being a perfectionist, like I feel like a lot of people pr would probably qualify themselves as perfectionists at yeah. UGA, especially because everyone's trying to obtain goals that they've set for themselves. And it's really easy to get caught up in um, sticking to your goals and your ability to live them out kind of defines who you are. Like small example, one of my goals coming to UGA was to find the perfect group of friends, which does not happen freshman year and they don't tell you that. Um, so that goal and me not being able to obtain that freshman year kind of like shifted the way I viewed myself. I wasn't who I thought I was anymore because I couldn't make these friends and um, learning about the Enneagram and learning why I focus on these things has kind of shifted my perspective back to um, I am good and I am who I am because of God and not myself. So spiritually, yeah, I've had to learn to like quiet the inner critic and um, know that those aren't truths from God a lot. Like, I feel like that's how the enemy gets in my head. Um, it's been a lot of learning about how I don't have to be perfect and how I need to accept the love and grace that I'm given rather than dwell on the things that aren't true about myself. Yeah. That's so good. Oh, I'm so glad you shared all of that because that is there's just so much truth in that. And I know like I have I have a wing one, so I can really resonate with the things you were saying, especially about the inner critic um, yeah. and just like wrestling with perfectionism. Um, um, yeah. What, um, are, you a nine, are you a nine or a two? I'm a nine wing one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and you kind of touched on this, but like uh, maybe you can expand on it uh, a bit more. What what does a healthy version of you as a one look like? And then what does an unhealthy version of you look like? Yeah. So I talked a little bit about my wing two and how I tend to wing. my. I'm more a wing two when I'm healthy. And um, a one wing two, like 
in the Enneagram terms is called an advocate. And I'm able to focus more on serving others and using my like willingness to do things right and to um, get things done to help other people rather than dwelling on them for like personal reasons. Um, and I'm focusing less on my flaws when I'm healthy and more on the grace and the love that I've been given. Um, where when I'm unhealthy, I feel like I tend to dwell, like my inner critic has taken over when I'm unhealthy and I dwell on things that aren't true about myself and I spiral really fast. Um, and it's really hard to not, like you don't let truth in as often when your in mm. inner critic is taken over. So not a fun time when I'm unhealthy. One one of the things that I think I really love about ones is I think they have such a strong inner critic because they want things to be right. And um, they really they really value doing the right thing. And so that's something that um, I, I'm like so grateful for that there are ones. Um, so I wanted to know in your perspective, what, what are you most proud of about being a one? Oh gosh. So when I was reading about like Enneagram ones and taking the test and everything, I was like, I really, really hope I'm not a one because this means I'm like nitpicky and focus too much on doing things the right way. And that's just not fun. I don't know who would want to be around someone who's like that all the time, but I really do value, um, my drive and that's something like I've always had taken pride in but didn't really know that that came from an aspect of my personality I just thought that was how I was raised um, I think like with the one especially wing two being something that or someone that leads by lead or leads by serving like you're an advocate you're a servant leader um, I feel like you have such a good opportunity to lead by example, but also like you're building relationships with that. And I feel like that's something I've been most proud of in college. I've had the opportunity to get to know a lot of really sweet girls and um, help them walk through this part of life that isn't so easy to navigate. Um, and with that, I have gotten to see them grow in a lot of different ways. And like I was saying a little bit, I am definitely proud of my drive and it definitely has its um, negative parts. It's definitely taken away from my relationship some. I've definitely seen my relationship with my fiance struggle because I tend to dwell, I tend to choose work over pleasure. So I tend to choose like getting schoolwork done or I will go meet with someone or whatever I deem work at the time, I don't always choose to um, like live in the moment and have fun with people. And that's definitely made my relationship suffer, but I am still proud that like I will get things done and I will do them the right way. So, yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. That's yeah. I would, I would agree with, with ones about that. Like they, they, they really do have that way of, of getting things done and getting them done the right way. And I'm, I'm really grateful for ones for that. Um, and so I, I also wanted to know, um, like, what, what do you need people to like say to you or like, just like how, how do you feel like most loved, um, like as a one or just like as you in general, like what are things that if people call out about you, like you feel very appreciated and very seen and known? Yeah. Um, from like reading 
the books that I have and like the online stuff, I know that our core desire is to be told that you are good. And for me, it's more so like I lean a little bit more towards doing this, that, that you are loved because you are good. I feel like I need to earn my love by being the person I think I'm supposed to be. Um, so when people notice my efforts to be good or like, um, like in my relationship with my fiance, it's like when he noticed that I've gone out of my way to help him with something or when my sister is appreciative of what I'm helping her out with or when they notice my efforts and validate me in like trying to be who I think I need to be, I feel loved. I don't know if that makes sense. No, it, yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. It's when people like validate my hard work is when I feel the most loved. Yeah. I can, I can really relate to that, especially with my wing one. Like I, I think I also have a very like strong sense of wanting to know that I'm, I'm good. I'm loved and good. I think when I, I know those two things, um, it's like perfectionism doesn't have as strong as a like hold on my life. I'm like, oh, I don't have to be perfect to be loved. I don't have to be perfect to be good. Um, so yeah, I'm really glad you shared that. Yeah. And when people give you grace for like when they notice that you've fall, fallen short of being perfect, which everyone does and like acknowledge that it's okay and that you don't have to be and remind you of the grace that you've been given already. Um, it definitely like anyone that can release the burden of being perfect for me makes me feel loved. So that was so beautifully put. Anyone that can release the burden from me of being perfect makes me feel loved. That is so yeah, yeah, very very filled with truth. Um, yeah, well, Sarah, thank you so much for chatting with me. And yeah, I feel like I just learned so much, and um, I'm so grateful for you and just everything you do. So. Thank you. Good for you. Look at you starting a podcast. That's so awesome. <laughs> Thank you. All right, friends. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I know that she said so many things that I could really relate to. I am so grateful for her and for her honesty. I know I really took away from that, that I need to make sure to give my Enneagram One friends a lot of grace and to remind them that they don't always need to be perfect to be worthy of love. I know I am so grateful for ones and all that they have to offer to the world. That is all that I have for this episode, and I will see you in the next one with our Enneagram 2s, The Helpers.